TV radio seeks to inform and engage the bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom. We recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with the principalities and the powers of the air. We are a ministry of prayer, and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe. We provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are The Bride Ministries, We Are The Bride Radio, or We Are The Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome, my friends, to the Texas Power Hour with Pastor Carolyn Sism and Friends. This radio show is an outreach ministry of Eastgate Ministries in Katy, Texas. Experience the power. Experience the glory with Pastor Carolyn Sism. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us, he made us accepted in the beloved. Please note that God has already accomplished the work in his people, the saints. Through the life and blood of his son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is the anointed one. It's a done deal, folks. Amen. Amen. Isn't that good to know? Yes. Verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things to the counsel of our will. Did I have a name in? I didn't have a name. His will. <laughs> You're all staring at me like a bunch of little hoot owls. Where is she going here? That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. And what is our part in this glorious work of our Father God? In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also having believed. Those are what we do. That's our part. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit promise. Who is the guarantee? The title deed of our, of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Well, the redemption of, of the purchased possession is when we all come into the fullness of the glory of Christ Jesus that's Jesus Christ's inheritance. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. We are his inheritance. Amen. We are the glory that was set before him so that he endured the cross, even despising the shame. We have more than a coupon, folks. <laughs> more than a promise written on paper. Mm -hmm. We have a living and unchangeable document which when by faith we hold in our hearts and apply to our lives, transforms us daily into the very image of Christ Jesus. Amen. That deserves a hallelujah. Amen. And now that the Apostle Paul has made it clear that God has done all this, he's completed all of his part. We now come to the saints' part and how Paul prays that we're to proceed with the assignment that God's given us and by whose power and strength we might accomplish it. Back to Ephesians 1. Therefore, I also, after I heard of what? Your fame. Your great power. Your wealth. Any of those things? What did Paul hear of? He heard of our faith in the Lord Jesus and our love for all the saints. 
Those are the two things that really got Paul's attention. Our faith in God and our love for all the saints. This is not a one-man show. <clears throat> In Matthew 22, 38, Jesus tells us, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? Not here. <laughs> Ever at home, forget that we are to love our spouses as we love ourselves. It's easy to love our children most of the time. Not always easy to love our spouses as we love ourselves. But God. <laughs> but God. in this church knows that Jean and I ever disagree. <laughs> Continuing in Ephesians, I do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? There's that inheritance again. His inheritance is us. That's good. And what is the exceeding greatness of his Power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, that very same power dwells within us, folks. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. That's where we're seated. Far above all powers, all principalities. Amen. Almighty dominion. Yes. That's our seated place. So Paul is praying and proclaiming that we must have revelation knowledge of God by his constant indwelling presence. Mm. Not just having received information about him or seen and heard of him from a distance and believed that indeed he was Christ but having a close personal relationship with him. We're living in the same house, folks. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing, isn't it, honey? <laughs> <laughs> Our body is his body. In order for the saints to become equipped to do the work of our Heavenly Father that he's called us to carry out on his behalf, and the benefit and en enlargement of his kingdom his kingdom must ever be increasing. We are the temple of the Lord. We are his workmanship. And he is the master creator. Amen. Sometimes I have to tell certain teenagers not to talk bad about themselves. Because sometimes teenagers will. Mm -hmm. And you know what I say? 
Don't be talking bad about the person I love. Amen. That's the way God feels. Mm -hmm. He does. Yes. We need spiritual eyesight. Clearly understanding not only what God has called us to accomplish, but the great and unlimited power of God with which he has poured out upon and totally surrounded his people in filling them. The anointing, the presence and power of God's Holy Spirit alone is capable of such a task. Mm -hmm. And we must constantly be aware of this great truth. As Pastor Dusty Kemp used to say, we are intentionally, on purpose, exquisitely being aware of his presence and practice it. You ever just have to pinch yourself and, and realize that, you know, you're praying to a God that you think is out there. He's in here. He's ever present. We are spiritually blind without his anointing, his flame of enlightenment and his direction and his instructions concerning each and every assignment that he alone can give. He is not only our strength, but he likes the way. So, the anointing. What is it? What's it for? Who is it for? How do we receive it? How do we appropriate it? And who gets the glory? First of all, the anointing is not an it. It's not a thing. The anointing is the manifest presence of God himself. Yes. And he alone, by the power of his spirit, equips us to do what he's called us to do. Yes. Jesus himself said, without the Father, I can do nothing. Amen. How much more so do we say? You know, without the Lord, I can do nothing. He does not pass around a hat filled with an assortment of gifts for our choosing. God forbid. When we answer his call upon our lives, there's only one right answer. And it isn't, God, have I got a great plan for you. <laughs> or, you want to hear about my latest and greatest idea? <clears throat> no. But yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. What would you have me to do? Amen. Sometimes it appears as though we all have no idea how really great God is. Mm. Omnipotent, all-powerful. Omniscient, all-knowing, mm. omnipresent. He is everywhere at all times and there is nowhere that we can go from his presence. Amen. He's there. God be big, we be little. Yeah. Amen. Let's check out the word anointing in Smith's Bible Dictionary. The anointing or the anointed in Holy Scriptures is either material or with olive oil. And that is the direction and instruction of the Lord himself. There's no other oil used but olive oil. Or spiritual, which is with the Holy Ghost. The material, olive oil, is just a symbol of the Holy Spirit. There's no power in the oil, but it does fuel the candle. Mm -hmm. 
does it not in the temple? God uses the hands of man to apply it. Ordinary as a pleasant, refreshing balm. And this was a, an anointing showing respect and friendship to another person. Official, it was a rite of inauguration into each of the three typical offices of the Jewish commonwealth, which are prophets. They were occasionally anointed to their office and were called messiahs. Did you know that? Messiah means anointing. Priests at the first institution of the Leviticus priesthood were all anointed to their offices. Kings. Anointing was principal and divinely appointed ceremony in the inauguration of the Jewish kings. The rite was sometimes performed more than once. David was anointed three times as king. Jesus is the son of David. Inanimate objects also were anointed with oil in token of their being set for apart for religious service. Thus Jacob anointed a pillar at Bethel for the use of the priesthood. Ecclesiastical, that means within the church, the ecclesia. Anointing with oil is prescribed by St. James to be used for the recovery of the sick. Analogous to the anointing with oil practiced by the twelve disciples, the apostles. Spiritual. This is the best part. In the Old Testament, which only tells us of Jesus Christ and the one who is to come, a deliverer is promised under the title of Messiah or anointed. And the nature of his anointing is described to be spiritual with the Holy Ghost. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ of Nazareth is shown to be the Messiah, the promised one who is to come, or Christ the anointed one of the Old Testament. Old Testament's all about Jesus. And the historical fact of his being anointed with the Holy Ghost is asserted and recorded. Christ was anointed as prophet, priest, and king. Spiritual anointing with the Holy Ghost is conferred also upon Christians by God. Anointings expresses the sanctifying influences of the Holy Spirit upon Christians who are priests and kings unto God. All saints are called to be priests and kings unto our God. Our ministry is not simply unto men or to each other, but unto the Lord, the King of kings, Lord of lords himself. We did that this morning. We ministered unto the Lord, giving praise and worship unto him. And it was a sweet, sweet time, Carolyn. Thank you for that. So first and foremost of all things that we need to know is that God, who anoints, it is God who anoints with the Holy Spirit. It is God who has designed each and every lamp personally for his purpose, and he provides the fuel. We cannot usurp God's Spirit from another vessel. Amen. Do you know that? Amen. 
nor can we do anything in order to obtain, purchase, or earn the anointing by doing good deeds. We know the parable of the ten virgins, five were wise and five were foolish. And they all had oil in their lamps. But when it came time for the Lord to return, they had been sleeping. And the wise virgins had plenty of oil to last for his coming. Mm -hmm. The foolish virgins did not. When the bridegroom was delayed a long time, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. But at midnight, there was a shout. Look, the bridegroom is here. Come out and meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There won't be enough for you and for us. God gives us the amount of oil that we need in order to accomplish the purpose for which he has called us. He does not give me enough oil for Tim. He doesn't give me enough oil for Oxena. Just for me. And the wise virgin said, go instead to those who sell oil and buy for some for yourself. But while they had gone to buy it, the bridegroom arrived, and those who were ready went inside with him to the wedding banquet. Then the door was shut. Later the other virgins came too, saying, Lord, Lord, let us in. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. Therefore stay alert, because you do not know the day or the hour. That's a lesson in itself. Please note that this is a parable, a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. We cannot purchase the Holy Spirit. He's a person, he is God, and God is not for sale. Case in point, Acts 8. When Simon, the magician, saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy this gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Simon wanted what the apostles had. Not for the love of God or God's people or the increase of the kingdom, but for self-gain. Sometimes it appears that the words in scripture are very harsh. God can be very harsh. He hates sin. He loves the sinner. But he will not bow to sin. Amen. We cannot have, I repeat, the anointing of or from another person. 
The anointing is God himself. We have to have God. Calling all of the shots in our lives. All of the shots. Personally indwelling us. And his call upon our lives is just that. It's personal. It's up close and personal. You may say, well, what about Elijah and Elisha? Elisha receiving the mantle of the prophet of Elijah. Okay. This is where many believers fall into error. Let's check out Bible.org which I found to be a reliable reference point, by the way, and it agrees with Matthew Henry's commentary. I quote, In the midst of a degenerate and idolatrous kingdom ruled by vicious, cruel, and degenerate kings, the Lord called not one, but two men. One became the successor of the other. These two prophets stood as the heralds of God and his word. They were also, they were also, did you know that Elisha, as well as Elijah, was a leader for a school of prophets who actually served in both the northern and southern kingdoms. Mm -hmm. Elijah's ministry does not end with the call of Elisha, who became Elijah's attendant and student. That's good. Instead, it continued for several years as the mentor of Elisha. That's good. After his renewal by the Lord on Mount Horeb, Elijah began a ministry of mentoring or discipling Elijah. Mentoring others is one of the most important ministries any of us can have. Especially in leadership. But it's not limited to leaders. Mm -hmm. It's for all of us. Yes. We are all to be examples. We are to mentor by life's examples and teaching young people, those who are unsaved. Mm -hmm. The call upon, of God upon Elisha. In verse 19, we find Elijah now moving out to the place of loneliness and discouragement. After all he had done, Jezebel tried to kill him. And he ran as fast as he could run to Mount Horeb and hid in the cave. This great man of God, Elijah, one of the prophets that was taken by God and never saw death. He was a man. Okay, he was like us. He hid himself in a cave up on a mountain. The Lord had sought him while he was in that condition and revitalized and restored him to the ministry through the spiritual insight he received from the angel of the Lord. Restored with new understanding about the way God works. We need understanding about the way God works. He doesn't always work the way we do. Amen. And we think he should. The prophet left the mountain and found Elisha. The first priority was to not go out and tell everybody, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm all right now. I'm, I'm back to being the great prophet 
No, his first priority was to find Elijah. This illustrates how God's word works to restore and renew our lives graciously. He works to put us either on track or back on track to make us fruitful. Like Elijah, we too can easily find ourselves down, lonely, and discouraged. Remember that, folks. When you think everybody's got it together all around you, they don't. Mm -hmm. None of us do. But the Lord is the God of all comfort. And He is gracious. But we need to make ourselves available to God's resources for renewal to take place in our lives. Believers are required to encourage one another. That's another one of God's greatest gifts. Encouragement from one saint to another. It's precious. It's precious. And we need to practice it more more often. <clears throat> Thus Elijah first went to find Elisha, who became an encourager to the prophet. You know any encouragers in your congregation? We have a lot of them mm-hmm. in our church. If not, why not ask God to use you to encourage rather than to critique? Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. Elijah found Elisha while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, and he was with the 12. This seems to indicate that Elisha belonged to a family of considerable wealth. To obey the prophetic call would mean doing so at a considerable personal loss. Financially speaking, it would mean counting the cost. It meant counting his financial security as loss and becoming a soldier of the Lord in the trenches of a tremendously spiritual conflict. But Elisha's response shows us that he was a man of faith. First thing we got to have, right? Faith. Who was willing to do just that. Elisha had already developed biblical values, priorities, and eternal perspectives that had captured his heart, which then controlled what he did with his life. As a result, he acted on his faith. Not what he saw God was going to do, because Elisha had no idea what God was going to do. He only knew his God And he only knew that he had heard his call on his life. Because before the mantle was passed from Elijah to Elisha, Elijah had already had Elisha in his prophet's room and anointed him with oil to become his successor. We don't think about that. Those are little parts of the scripture we kind of tend to skip over. (laughs) He was willing to be uprooted from his quiet, peaceful, and rural life from its financial security to follow the Lord. Obviously, he knew what his nation needed was the word of the Lord. He understood the times, and he knew what he must do. It's also important to note where Elisha was when Elijah found him. Though he belonged to a prominent family, he was at work in the fields with the rest of the field hands. 
though wealthy, he was not an irresponsible or lazy. This didn't make him a great leader, but it certainly demonstrated he had already developed the kind of character needed for leadership. Not all of us have developed enough character mm. and spiritual backbone for leadership. That's right. Amen. Not only did hard work build character, it gave him a testimony to those around him. I think it's interesting to note how many great men of the Bible were called into some special ministry after they had already demonstrated an ability and a willingness to work and where they had also shown faithfulness and loyalty. Mm -hmm. It's tough when you're depending on someone and they don't show up. Mm -hmm. It happens. God bless those who do. Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. David was tending sheep for his father. Peter was a fisherman. Paul had a trade making tents. The Lord himself was a carpenter by trade. Matthew Henry's commentary in 2 Kings, 2nd chapter. Here, Elijah makes his will and leaves Elisha his heir. Now anointing him to be the prophet in his room more than when he cast his mantle upon him. There we go. Elijah being greatly pleased with the constancy of Elijah's affection and attendance. Ask him what he should do for him. What blessing he should leave him at parting. Because Elijah knew he was leaving. So did Elisha. Ask of me when I'm gone in heaven. I shall be better able to be friendly there. No, he didn't say that. He said, ask before I go. It's easier for us to ask before our loved ones go because when they leave, we don't have any communication with them. There's no further communication. Elisha having this fair opportunity to enrich himself with the best riches praise for a double portion of his spirit. He asks not for wealth, nor honor, nor exemption from trouble, but to be qualified for the service of God and his generation. He asks for the spirit. Not that the gifts and graces of God were in Elijah's power to give. They certainly were not. He did not say, give me the spirit. He knew very well that it was God's gift. He asked for a double portion of his spirit, his attitude, his idea that he could and would was able to do all things that God had called him to do through the power of God. He does not mean double to what Elijah had. He didn't want Elijah's anointing. Because Elijah knew very well what he was called to do and what he faced and needed all of the help that he could get. Simple as that. Men complicate things. God makes it simple if we listen. God has not called me or you 
to operate under another saint's calling. Amen. Surprise, surprise. I don't want to be like Chuck Smith. Or Pierce. I don't follow him. I know he's a great man of God. I follow Jesus. Amen. Yes. I don't need Paul White's anointing. I don't covet Apostle Valentine. Oh, he's wonderful. I don't even want Joyce Myers anointing as much as I love her to pieces. There's only one Joyce Myers. Amen. There's only one Carolyn Sison. Yes. Amen. I certainly don't want her anointing. I do not. I do not covet Carolyn's teaching or preaching or prophetic or any other anointing. That's right. Only Carolyn herself can carry Carolyn's, Carolyn's anointing. Amen. So we are not to covet what she has. That's right. She did not purchase it. She did not work for it. And she certainly did not steal it from someone else. Amen. I will say this. She's paid a price to keep the anointing moving strong within her life. Yes. Is anyone out there willing to stand in her place? I don't know of anybody. I stand with her, but I couldn't stand in her place. Mm -hmm. It has cost her her life. Yes. And all that she is and all that she ever could have been, all that she has and all that her natural self has ever yearned for, she laid it down and gave it up. And God has brought her through every valley, every storm, and every battle along her life's journey. <laughs> Because she abides in the secret place of the Most High God. Right. And the word there is abides. Right. She lives in the book as the Lord lives in her. Praise God and to Him be all the glory. There's no one, not one human being who can, has or ever will know the heart of Carolyn. And you won't know my heart either. Amen. I can't know yours. It's the same with all of us. I was five years old when I first heard the Lord's voice. And I was received the baptism of the Holy Spirit 31 years at 31 years old. Long time, big difference in between. I was baptized at 10 years old and heard the call of God upon my life. I knew that I was a servant of the Lord. But as I grew older and became a teenager, I had other things that I thought about. <laughs> it was a sovereign work of God when I received the baptism. I was all caught up in the world. You know, the house on Memorial Drive and the Cadillac and the diamonds and the Minkos and, what well, you know, stuff. Just stuff. I was all alone in my kitchen when I heard the Lord call my name and tell me that it was time for me to come home. Mm. and surrender my life to him. I did not have a clue what he meant. <laughs> but I really did. <laughs> and I argued with him a little bit. When he told me he wanted me on my knees, I said, God, what if somebody comes in my house and sees me in my kitchen on my knees praying? Mm -hmm. Is that ridiculous? And that's how ridiculous our flesh is. Yeah. 
right. And your flesh is the same. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I was filming for the Methodist Church on the Lauren Drive. When I called my pastor about it, he had no idea what to say to me about it. He didn't know what's going on. <laughs> so he suggested that I call a member who attended a Bible study. The teacher was the name of a teacher by the name of Jeanette Cliff George. That was in 1971. And I remember the first day that I met Jeanette, she was teaching on the book of Jeremiah. And my heart leapt within me when I heard these words. Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy words were found and I did eat them. I devoured the word of God. It was the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts, and I knew it. I knew that I knew that I knew that I had known all of my life that this would come. And it certainly did. As a sovereign act of God. Nobody was with me. Just me and God in my kitchen. <laughs> I knew that I had been sent there to study under Jeanette, and I was in her Bible study class for over five years. We became very good friends, and I attended many of her special writing and theatrical classes. And Jean and I both were volunteers for the AD Players for years. One of the first um, presentations that the AD Players ever gave was at my house. I went on drive. <laughs> I wanted to be just like Jeanette. I wanted to be just like her. Until the Lord showed me that she was one of a kind. <laughs> he made her and then he broke the mold. And then he made me to be me. Because he, he was pleased to do so. Yeah, I guess he did break them a lot. Shall the thing form to him say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Isaiah 29. Isaiah 45. Hath not the potter power or authority over the clay or the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Jeremiah 18. It was while I was under the teaching of Jeanette that I received the call to minister of salvation to the Jews and to them. Holy Roman Catholic Church <laughs> community. I ministered to both my Jewish family members, the first Jewish person that God used me to bring to Jesus was my Jewish mother-in-law. <laughs> now, that you can put an exclamation point by that because that was a sovereign move of God. Number one, to minister to your mother-in-law, and another one who <laughs> was Jewish and used to always tease me about, if Jesus came to earth, would you think he'd come to the Jews or the Gentiles first? I don't know. I guess he'd come to everybody. <laughs> Bertha was wonderful. She died with her little handkerchief pressed between the New Testament. The first Roman Catholic family to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Madeline and Martin Russo. I don't know if anybody here knows them, 
but they were the forerunners of the charismatic renewal in the Italian community in Houston, Texas. Does God look ahead and make provision or what? And it just so happens, through no fault of our own, it was a God incident. Our oldest son, Stephen, married Madeline and Martin Russo's granddaughter, Sharice. <laughs> and she's, they have given us three beautiful grandbabies. That's God. Madeline would say, she's like about this poem. Betty, that's got to be God. <laughs> the zeal of the Lord that was upon that wonderful community during the 1970s. A lot of you may remember those days. This is the word of the Lord that came to me. Jeremiah, are you ready? This is Jeremiah. Mm. 117. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces lest I confound thee before them. I was supposed to witness to the Jews. For behold, I have made thee this day a defense city and an iron pillar and brazen wall against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof, and against the people of the land. Well, what he's saying is, I'm not going to let them hurt you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they shall fight against thee. And they do. But they shall not prevail against them. For I'm with thee, says the Lord, to deliver thee. Wow. I knew that I was to be bold and courageous. But Lord, I'm afraid of being foolish. And I don't want to be rejected. Are you sure about this? The confirmation was given unto me late one evening. And this is what I heard. Get up. Go lock yourself in your house. Secure all the doors. I argued with this voice. I knew I had already locked it up tight because my husband was out of town. And it was just the kids and I. But when the warning persisted and grew stronger, you will always know when God's voice will not leave you alone. Mm-hmm. And as long as it is legal and acceptable, you obey it. Mm-hmm. I obey it. When I went back to my bedroom, I heard these boys. Open your Bible and, eat and read Ezekiel 3. My Bible fell open to Ezekiel 3. And I read, and he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel and speak my words unto them. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces and their forehead against their foreheads. They were powerful people. And I just was one little shiksa. (laughs) Then the Spirit, verse 24, Then the Spirit entered into me and set me upon my feet and spake with me and said unto me, Go shut thyself within thy house. Mm -hmm. 
But when I speak with thee, I will open my mouth. And thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, He that heareth, let him hear, and he that forbeareth, let him forbear, for they are a rebellious house. I was astounded. But I want you to know that my Jewish family knew that there was a woman of God in that house. And they respected me. And my mother-in-law is in heaven. <laughs> and the word of the Lord that came unto me did not return void. It came to pass because it was rhema word. God's spoken word sovereignly revealed to me. He appointed me and anointed me to do the work. And by the marvelous power and gospel, I received it. They received it under God's sovereign anointing. We didn't have any preachers running around telling us how to do all this stuff. We just listened to the Lord and read the Word. When I heard about a church where they preached the full gospel and where the Holy Spirit was moving mightily, I found the Evangelistic Temple. Remember that, Carolyn? Yes. <laughs> wow, was he ever moving. I went from the cradle to training wheels to a 10-speed bicycle. In a short time. I had no clue where I was headed. <laughs> but my heart was totally after God. And I used to say, Lord, get me where I have to be in the Holy Ghost. If you have to pull me through a bringer backwards. <sighs> Don't ever say that. <laughs> Little did I know that it would take something similar to accomplish that task. <laughs> Zechariah 4, 6. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts, and I was determined. Zechariah was writing about his vision of the lampstand that gives light to God's people and the oil that dripped from it that empowered or anointed them to see or envision and empower them in order to accomplish the task that God had given them. The Holy Spirit is the oil, the power, the fuel that feeds the fire for the lamp from which the light proceeds. Hallelujah. It's simple. This was what I wanted. This is it. I was on my way to becoming a great spiritual icon. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What a rude awakening when the Lord pulled my religious rope right out from under me. Mm -hmm. And he will do it, thank God. I crashed and burned on one of my first solo flights <laughs> and did not take another speaking engagement for at least two years. Wow. No one talking. All because of my novice pride. And during that time, I learned a thing or two about the anointing. If God has not chosen you for a work in the ministry, do not take the gig. That's right. God will not anoint whom God has not appointed. Amen. Wait upon the Lord and follow Him. Amen. He will direct you. When He does, I can assure you that one of that the flight will be a safe one, even if it's not always a peaceful one. Mm -hmm. 
Since the Lord sovereignly called me to the work of the ministry 47 years ago, my life has drastically changed. I cannot begin to tell you all of the wonders that I've been honored to behold. And anointed to be a part of God as God has moved mightily in the world around me. What's wonderful is that I'm privileged to call saints my true friend. You are my true friends. God placed me back into a full-time ministry in 1996 after I married Jean. And I thought, oh God, what am I going to do now? <laughs> I was going to a Catholic church with Jean. I'm going to Catholic um, Spirit-filled. Listen, a bunch of Catholics out there that are really Spirit-filled and they are just eating it up a lot more than we are, so be careful who you talk about. I had heard the Lord tell me when I asked him, I opened a window before you and I want you to go through it. And I argued with him, you don't go through windows, you go through doors. <laughs> when Jean and I moved into the Katy area, I began a small prayer chain of their Sunday <coughs> and prayer warriors to pray for the sick and salvation for the lost. Today we minister online to people across the United States and around the world. And we use Microsoft Windows to get the job done. God knew all about the internet before I did. I didn't even know how to use a computer. That's amazing, isn't that wonderful? It takes group effort. And God has called many remarkable prayer warriors to be strong links in our chain. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Some one-man show never is. I was in leadership position of Servants Heart Ministries at Faith West when I met Carol. Mm -hmm. I had agreed to serve as Vice President of Western Lakes Christian Women's Outreach with Pre uh, President Velma Frank, and Carolyn was nominated to be our chaplain. It was an instant Holy Ghost bond, and when I first visited Little White Church Eastgate Ministries, I knew that I had to be a part of this. God released me from Faith West, West within a few months. A new women's ministry leader was appointed and I became a lifetime member of these gay ministries. Amen. <laughs> and what has God anointed me to do? Whatever he calls me to do. To assist in the ministry of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. When? Whenever he calls me to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't have a title. I don't have a job. I don't need one. I'm a child of the Most High God, called to do the work of the ministry. I'm a handmaiden of the Lord for whatever the task may be at hand. Whether it's an almond rod, a paintbrush, measuring stick, or a duster in my hand, I'm equipped. <laughs> for the past week or so, he's anointed me to redecorate the West Home in preparation for John's wedding. So exciting. Anyone think a decorator's work is glamorous? <laughs> Come to work with me for a day. It's hard physical work replacing the old with the new, both spiritual and physically. Amen. Moving furniture around and hanging curtains and wall art. But this is a labor of love. Mm. And in the process, I get to love on Kimberly and Ashley. Amen. And 
and I get to encourage Sonia. Yeah. That change is good when God is in charge. Yes. Many of you were present when Roger Teal, the prophet, ministered to Sonia that she was to be Carolyn, to Carolyn as Elisha was to Elijah. Yes. Remember that day? Mm -hmm. I believe it. It's been confirmed, and we are watching the anointing move upon her even as I speak. She's manning the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Sonia. <laughs> and she is at pastor's beck and call for whatever she needs in order to get the job done. We are all anointed ones, and what God calls each one of us to accomplish is a most utmost important. Not one of us is more important than the other, nor is our job or our calling. That's right. That's right. To us, it is important to know this, and it is important also for the body of Christ universal. Because for the most part, what I see on the surface, at least, and on TV and the news media and uh, social media, have you ever seen a commercial where this couple buys this house and at their housewarming, another couple shows up that they don't know? And she asked the real estate agent, who is that? And she said, well, those are the ones who wanted to buy the house that you bought first. And she looked at them and they looked at her and the woman said, I want this. And the buyer said, you can't have it. It's mine. So she reaches over and grabs an apple out of her hand and she says, so I want this. <laughs> That's carnal nature. And we cannot afford it. Let your anointing be your anointing, whatever it is that God's called you for. You're going to know it. We're learning to move in the spirit like we've never moved before, especially with the giftings. If God calls you to speak, you speak. If he does not, shut your mouth. Amen. That applies to that Monte. Mm -hmm. So, I'm gonna end at this point in time, and I wanna to minister to those of you who would like to be ministered to, to receive the anointing that God alone has given you. Uh, if that's you, I'm happy to minister to you. I thank you all for this time. God bless you. And be praying for the West family because John's getting married next week. Yeah. <laughs>